0: right you ready yeah okay i'm very pleased to finally be able to say that this is the first episode of the brand new podcast series from living rock youth so welcome to episode number one of sofa sessions We are episode number one i uh, i know i've been i've been plugging this for a little bit now i've been telling you all to expect this new series at some point soon um, and here we are it's finally here and as i said this is sofa sessions this is our our brand new series um, we've been running our original what you Saying series for a few months now um, and we just thought it was time for something something new something fresh and, and something a little bit different um, so hopefully you you should be able to hear our new sweet sweet background music um, and a little bit more chilled out a bit more relaxed and you'll also see on our Instagram uh, that we have a new logo for this series courtesy of the legend that is Tim Chapman uh, so thank you Tim for that But before we get into things, let me explain what all of this is about. Obviously, as you all know, on our regular episodes, we we speak to guests about specific topics. Um, We've had episodes on culture, on worship, identity, discipleship, um, FOMO, and lots of other great topics. And, And that series with those episodes will still continue to run. But in addition to those episodes, we are going to run this brand new uh, six episode series called Sofa Sessions. And in this new series, we we're basically going to be hearing some life stories. And that sounds simple. um, But there are so many people within our church who have some unbelievable stories. And I want us to hear them. And there are so many people who have done and seen incredible things in their lives all because they, they just trusted them and followed God. Um, so the purpose of this new series is for us to hear those stories and hopefully will be inspired and, and recognise that we also have our own incredible stories ahead of us. And in a world where Instagram influencers, in inverted commas, uh, portray really unrealistic expectations of extravagant and exciting lifestyles that can and should be achieved with ease, and a world where my needs and and my wants take preference above all others. I want us to hear some stories that will challenge those ideas, that will rightly challenge those ideas. Um, Don't get me wrong. I love Instagram and I think it's great. Um, And it is important to think about and look after ourselves. Um, But my hope is that through this new six part series, you'll see that a life led and inspired by God is is the most exciting life that you could possibly lead. Um, and that's not a cliche, that's not a, a buzz statement, and it's it really not me just trying to make you feel good. Um, it's an unbelievable truth and a promise, and as you'll hear from from some of our guests, it's it's well within our grasp if we're, if we're just willing to go for it. So that is a brief introduction to Sofa Sessions. I hope that sounds good. I hope that sets the scene for you, um, I'm so excited about it and um, one of the reasons I'm so excited is because I, I'm recording this episode, or this little bit here now, um, after I actually recorded the episode with our first guest, who you, I'm sure you can see from the name of, of this episode, you can see who it is, um, and let me just say this at the start of this uh, this episode, this story is unbelievable it's a fantastic story. Um, I was so <laughs> captivated listening to it. It's it's a very emotional story, it's a, a really real and honest story um, and it's incredible and I can't wait for you to hear it. So yeah, without further ado, here is episode number one of Sofa Sessions. When I was thinking about who could be the first guest, it was a no-brainer for me. Not only is this man super stylish, very competent on pretty much every musical instrument, and an unbelievable writer, but he he also has a wonderful testimony that truly proves that life with God is pretty exciting. So without further ado, and and no pressure, (laughs) welcome to our first Sofa Sessions guest, Luke Rollins.
1: Hey, man. Hello, God, it's good to be here. Thanks <laughs> so, for having me
0: on. Yeah, it's no problem. We are currently sat in Luke's flat, mm-hmm. just had some wonderful pizza. Oh. Uh, Judith is here. She's in the background. There she is. Um, but yeah, Luke, Luke has very kindly to agree to be our, our first guest on the podcast. I'm very excited, but a lot of the youth will probably know you, Luke. Some of them may know of you, um, but could you just tell us a bit about who you are? Um, what you do and just introduce yourself to everybody.
1: Sure. So, so I'm Luke. I am 34 this year. No, has happened. Happened no. in May. Um, I live with my wonderful wife Judith in Stoke Golding. Um, I do a couple of things for work, but um, I, but my yeah, but I work for a Christian charity um, as. A, as someone who cares and looks after DJs and musicians and, in the, and helping people in the music industry, um, as well as doing some engineering work and a lot of freelance music cool. studio work as well. Nice. So you're pretty busy. Pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, life's really dull. It's pretty full on. Yeah. That's good.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more about some of those things. Sure. Um, but as I said, this is a it's difficult to know what's compared to, but it's similar to sort of a life stories sort of feel. Okay. So I want to, I do want to do that. I want to take it right back to if I could, your teenage years. Sure. Luke. Um, and I didn't know how to start this, but I wondered if you could just paint us a picture of teenage Luke Rollins. So, <laughs> um, I, I mean, literally it could be as simple as where are you from? Are you from sure. around here? Um, but also what were you studying in in school or in high school what were your passions at that time what were your hobbies those sorts of things yeah sure
1: so teenage years I was living in a place called Kirby Mallory which is um which is near Mallory Park if anyone knows that Mm -hmm. um really rural sort of village location and I was at school at Twycross um and yeah I guess I enjoyed school I was kind of I, I, yeah I uh, didn't have any problems at school school was quite school was quite fun mm. in many ways um I guess academically I yeah I, was, I sort of found school quite interesting in that respect and yeah my dad was a scientist and so I kind Ooh. of had a bit of an academic background so I quite, so quite enjoyed school work and wasn't wasn't phased by that um English and the arts were probably my my okay. where I was most yeah where I was probably yeah my, my strengths mm. um so but yeah, and growing up, kind of in that environment, yeah, yeah, I yeah, school was, school was, was was kind of, it was it was a really, it was a, it was a really formative time as it always is from a faith point of view. I, I hadn't made a full commitment, but then everyone knew for some reason. Everyone knew that I was a Christian, <laughs> or everyone had something to say about my biblical beliefs, or so there were there were so and I was I was known for that, even though I wasn't you know actively walking that out. Really? No, really, no. Um, but it was funny how people pick up on these things yeah. and see things and it didn't lead to any... There was, yeah, I had some mild ribbing for it <laughs> as you would get normally, but nothing... But I think because I wasn't walking it out explicitly, it wasn't something which mm. was t- which was too overt. Um, but yeah, school was generally so, a positive experience.
0: Yeah, so w- were you brought up in a Christian household? My mum was a Christian. Mum was. A dad, a dad
1: had... Dad, would, ah, it's hard to define Dad's Christian faith. <laughs> As I said, he was a scientist, mm. so he, I think he always struggled with the with the logical, rational concept of of, of Christian faith. But he always knew God was real. Okay, still does, uh, even if he, even if he fights it. Yeah. But yeah, we certainly grew up in a in a household that was
0: built around uh, Christian values. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Okay. So, teenage, so you had some understanding of faith and God yeah, but you, you perhaps weren't quite um walking out in it's walking out in its fullest but um and you're also into your arts and your music definitely yeah okay. that was kind of yeah okay. a raw picture. so then will there be a lot of youth um or there'll be a lot of people listening who are thinking about university mm. um a did you go to university I did okay you did where did you go I went to Exeter University Exeter. yeah and to study English Lit English Lit so um how, what was your this might seem like a random question but what was your thought process in in picking a university um and the whole process of choosing what to do at that stage sure. of your life um and was there in that decision um did your faith have any uh, part to play in it well wow, good question so i think
1: um i chose i chose english mainly because it was just what i uh, sort of W- w- was best at it was my strongest it was something I it was I mean music was always something which I enjoyed more mm. in terms of but I I didn't want to go and and do that at university I felt like it was something to, to, you know to be kept more on that mm. as a, as an interest rather than a career um and so yeah so I I chose what I what what, what I felt most comfortable with and I chose what I felt was the most um, obvious choice academically for me to go mm. to and study. I didn't really have a career path in mind. Didn't really want to be a teacher. Didn't really want to go and do, and um, uh, didn't really have aspirations to be a writer particularly. Mm. Um, but knew that I really enjoyed English. and I knew that it would give me a solid, a solid foundation. It would give me a degree which I would enjoy doing, mm. and it wouldn't be, you know, it would, it, it was going to stand me in good stead for something. Um, from a faith point of view. I think so. In my later teenage years, sort of in 16, 18, that's when things started to hot up a little bit right. from a faith point of view. So early teens, not so much. But then, I I, started, I I was playing. I was playing keyboard in a in my in my brother's worship band. And even though I wasn't necessarily you know, walking with God, but, but during that time, I had some really kind of intense experiences. Mm. Um, there was one night where I was at De Montfort Hall and. Um, a man gave his testimony and i stood up in response to that it would be about 16 and i can't I can't tell you this day why i mm. just had this sudden conviction that i had to you know, it was an altar call and i stood up and mm. in front of everybody and um i was floods of tears very emotional reaction and i remember that being a really strong move of the holy spirit on me at that time but i didn't know what to do with it i didn't I, so it didn't nothing, nothing really happened off the back of it mm. um, and then <laughs> i think around about sort of 18 years old um the girl i was with at the time became a christian and i thought well if i don't become a christian then we'll probably break up so that was a kind of a, a t- terrible motive for becoming christian and sure <laughs> enough we broke up anyway so <laughs> so that didn't that that, so that, and that was so nothing really whilst things were moving there was never any i didn't really fully commit if yeah, you like i didn't yeah. really fully uh, say to jesus yes i want you in it was just more of a uh, yeah, there's a reaction required. Here, there's a response required here, but I had nothing to mm. really back it up with. Yeah, um, yeah, but there was definitely things were things were certainly hotting up spiritually around that sort of 16 to 18 years. So okay, we, so when it came to university. Um, no, I don't think I I, did, I certainly didn't pray about it. I didn't have that um, as it was. I only had one choice in the end, which was Exeter. Right. I, I, I didn't have anything else on the on the table. For some reason, back then you. Cho- I'm not sure if it's the same now. I chose six. You know, there were six universities to choose from. Yeah, okay, I, th- I think it's five or six. It's five yeah. or six, yeah. yeah. I only chose four, and I can't tell you why okay. I chose four. And three of them turned me down, so exit so exit was all I had, yeah. And that's what I got. <laughs> so, so I didn't really have any anything had to say in that. But I think, um, yeah, university. Well, we'll come on to it, I'm sure. But university was it was also an interesting time spiritually as well. Yeah. What happened, and certainly from a, yeah, it, so negatively, it wasn't very helpful for me
0: in yeah. some ways. Okay. We will come on to that yeah, in just a no second. Problem. But I'd, if I could just go back to the point you made about when you were in the uh, playing keys in the Welsh mm, band and you yeah, had this yeah. uh, this experience, could you just, if you can, explain in a bit more detail what what happened and what you sort of felt within you at the time that made you think something's happening here? Is that, is yeah, that yeah,
1: possible? Sure. So, um, and so so I I remember the, the testimony. It was. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was about um, it was a guy it's, it's, it's quite a famous testimony about a guy who basically um, he he, he, di- he dies and then and, and then he meets God and then comes back and it's, a, it's quite an involved kind of thing but he has an encounter with God in a near death experience basically mm. and I, w- I just remember just being so I remember being two things I remember one being Suddenly, realizing uh, there was—I guess there was—a was healthy fear that came upon me that God really was real, and I was playing around with this, but God was really real. Mm. And secondly, there was a conviction that my life wasn't lining up to right. that, um, just with choices I had been making and stuff that I'd been doing. Mm. And I think that's where the tears came from. Mm. I think that was the emotional response of, um, you know, there was a, there was a sorrow about yeah, about yeah. where I really wanted to be but wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so it was a, I think it was a combination of. Yeah, sort of a sudden revelation of the holiness of God and the glory of God and what that would mean. And I've mm. been playing keys in this worship band so it's not had no clue who I was actually playing these keys yeah. for or two. And then um, coupled with a, a healthy dose of yeah. <laughs> you got to sort some stuff out, Luke. Yeah. Um, and I think that was where the response came from. Um, why I stood, because it was totally out of character for me to stand. It wasn't a lot, okay. of, a lot of people there. Yeah. Uh, why I did that, in response to someone, you know, he said, "If anyone wants to receive, if yeah, anyone wants to yeah. you know, receive the please stand." Yeah. And I did, um, and yeah, it was a significantly very powerful moment. It was, uh, I guess, whether I realised it or not, I was drawing a line in the sand at that point mm. and saying, "Yeah, I, I want this," mm. even if I wasn't capable of really seeing mm. it out. Um, and sure enough, didn't for the next yeah. few years. But it was
0: nevertheless a statement of intent. Yeah. I think. So that was the the first sort of. Would you say that was the first? Uh, experience of that sort you'd had
1: probably yeah yeah. i'd i mean i'd I'd always known god i mean i'd I'd prayed and i'd always i had that kind of understanding and that head knowledge if you like Mm -hmm. of of god and believed him but up until that point i'd not experienced him or known him or or known him to be as real as that if you like yeah Um, and then then suddenly i became very aware that he was very real yeah. and
0: very much in the room. Yeah. You know, and I think that was the that was probably the first time, yeah. Okay, so you have this experience and then, so you say he's around 16, 17 yeah, at that point? Yeah, I guess we 16. Okay, so then we're moving into the university. Sure. Um, how did things play out, basically? Because I remember my eldest brother, Benjamin, said to I think he said it to me at one point, but he said university can often be quite make or break for some people sure. in terms of it It can be a quite a, a test and a challenge but also the opportunity for yourself to move away and um you know find a new church and mm-hmm. all those sorts of things if if that's what you want to do and so how did you find university from from that perspective and, and what sort of how did your faith develop or did it develop mm-hmm. it throughout university yeah. um i think at around about the age of
1: 18 um just before going to uni Whether consciously or not, I think I decided that the Christian life was going to be way too boring for the fun (laughs) that I actually wanted to have. And I really believed that. And I really felt like, you know what, I don't know whether I ever explicitly kind of said that or had that, but I think that was the the feeling I had was, you know, life looks really exciting. Mm. There's all these things coming up that I want to do. And I think being a Christian is going to restrict that. Mm. And so I think, and so... I we so university. I made a couple of half-hearted attempts to keep my faith going. Yeah, I joined the Christian Union, and mm. I think and and, and 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 the Christian Union is a really valuable thing. It's a really wonderful, wonderful thing, and um and those guys do some really great stuff, and it's so so vital. Mm. And I wish I'd stuck with it, but right. I didn't. And and so I signed up for it, went on a couple of socials, but like I say, life was cramming in and mm. all this in inverted commas, fun that I was having was was just getting in the way and then once that happens you feel like you really can't go to the Christian Union because mm. you don't really feel particularly like you belong there. Yeah, yeah. And you've not made the connections and the social breaks. So, um, I would say, for, yeah, throughout the three years that I was at university I probably started pretty weak and finished in a worse place. Mm. Um, and, yeah, my faith, well, I never stopped believing in God mm. but I just didn't want to involve Him in my everyday life because mm. I, Mainly because you get to a point where you don't feel like you can. You know, mm. you feel like your lifestyle isn't lining up to anything that you're, that, which you're professing to believe, and so you just tend to ignore what you, what you believe, and mm. get on with the here and now. Mm. Um, and it wasn't good. You mm. know, it, you, it, it, there's no, there's no way around it. It, it wasn't good. Um, there was. I ended up second year university, very, very low, in a very bad place, and making some very bad decisions. Um, some really messy relationships and things were just not healthy. Mm. Um, third year university, you know, it was, yeah, I was sticking the boxes academically. And it was fine, but from a spiritual point of view, totally bereft. Really, nothing, nothing going on. Mm. Um, and yeah, and it wasn't. It, yeah, my, my, my spiritual input and output was 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 nil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, there's no doubt about it. You know, university is a can be a really a very challenging yeah. um, time, and you, I, I've, I haven't been to full-time university in the mm. same way that most uh, students would do. But um, I understand that you you face a lot of uh, things that you, you wouldn't have had to face before, and decisions. But you also have so much more freedom than you would yes. have had before. Yeah. So it can definitely be a challenge. But mm. what so to anybody listening who is um, is going to university mm. maybe this summer. Or is is applying for next year, or, or just for anybody who who's got it in their yeah. um their vision for the next few years, what would your, what is a, a single piece of advice? Obviously, you mentioned the CU is is a great place to start. Mm. Um, what would a piece of advice be for you, from yourself to really help, um, stay, mm. uh, stay in a really strong relationship yeah, with yeah. God through university.
1: I think finding a good church is absolutely critical. Um, and there is going to be a level of, of strength required in maintaining that because the, because the, because the university lifestyle, depending on, what, on where you're based, if you're in halls or shared accommodation, the chances are it's not going to be um, aimed towards your spiritual growth, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be aimed at that. Yeah, Probably not. Um, so it's going to have to require a conscious decision and a deliberate, intentional um, movement on your part to seek out Christian friends, Christian community, Christian fellowship. Yeah, the CU is really good, and they'll also have links to uh, to churches in the Eo who, who yeah. to point you towards. Um, but right. I think that the sooner you can establish a Christian friend or community or, or, or some kind of Christian contact early on in your university mm. um, experience, the better, mm. um, because it's not it's it, it's it's not aimed at at growing you spiritually. <laughs> yeah. that's not that's uh, that's not going to happen <laughs> that's good advice though That it's is very simple. good advice I, I I, yeah, I mean, I, That's what I wish I had done Yeah. Um, I think if I'd had that community around me from early on I would have grown mm. Rather than just got in with a group of friends Who mm. were great But they weren't interested in anything mm. to do with Jesus yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: Okay So I think you said you, st- you started at the university In a pretty weak position mm. And ended up in maybe a similar position Maybe yeah. a little bit less what happened for you then did you go into work is that what happened next no
1: so well technically so i i finished
0: university and then um i moved to london
1: uh-huh. so i was in london so i went there to be a musician um to pursue that to be yeah, a professional um mm. and i worked for yamaha during that time nice. um and um yeah and and spent a lot of time gigging a lot of time living in london trying yeah. to make it yeah um i was 18 months over eighteen months, um, that became and that's when things started to get even worse. Really, yeah. I think um, having moved there, and I guess London's a crazy place anyway, um, and th- just the lifestyle that I was living, living and living, you know, be, uh, being a musician, and living yeah, you know, so a lot of clubs, a lot of bars, yeah. a lot of, a lot of partying. Um, yeah, that's when things started to take a bit of a nosedive mm. in terms of drinking. Mm. Um, an excessive kind of living, mm. if you like, yeah. Um, and that wasn't. I didn't. I guess if I'm being honest, I didn't. Uh, you know, it was too expensive. I didn't have enough money to really party the way I wanted to. Because I'm still so ser- You see, the thing is, I'm still searching for all the fun I'm supposed to be having. Yeah. And the only way to f- that you think you can have more fun is to keep plowing more resources into it. You're wondering why it's not fun, yeah. and you think, well, it's surely. The, you know, there's always this sense of. Um, you know, the, 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 the there has to be a really good party just around the corner from where we are, yeah. and 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 it never is. It's never enough, and there's and there's it's and you're ploughing all this into it and getting nothing back. Yeah. But so, but you, but you keep hearing about all these great things that are happening and seeing what everyone else is doing and thinking that it's some great thing, and it's not. Mm. You know, it's just it's just a it's it's just a bottomless pit. Mm. Really. So London was a difficult time. Yeah. But I was yeah that was eighteen months of of working and
0: gigging. Okay. Um, when you say, I know, and we are going to come on to it, but you obviously do a lot of DJing mm. now. When you say musician, were you, were you DJing in London? or Were no. you actually in a band? I in a band, yeah, a band? yeah. Is that so what you wanted to pursue? Do you know, is that yeah, what you wanted to become a full-time musician?
1: Yeah, we, we had aspirations to sort of, yeah, to kind of get signed and to go and do that kind of thing. And we had, and we did relatively well. We had some interest and we had things happening for us, but as a band in terms of dynamics and getting on with each other, it just wasn't working. <laughs> so like I, left and called time on it and, okay. and moved back home, oh, okay. um, which was a really difficult process. I had a girlfriend in London who I, who I then, who I left there as well. Mm. I moved back and um, yeah, and that was a significant kick in the teeth for mm. me. That was really hard. Uh, I'd failed, you know, and uh, what well, I wanted to do. So I'd been a d. De- so I've been doing some DJing and I've been doing a little bit of DJing in London, but I'd, I, took that on at that point. Okay, a bit further. Yeah. And started to, I guess as I'll, as I'll say just another attempt at, but yeah. at, at, at some sort of musical career, and yeah,
0: started pursuing DJing at that point. Yeah. So, so then, uh, when did you? When was your next? When would you say was the next time you had a, a significant? Uh, I don't want to use the phrase, but a significant encounter experience of uh, of God from this point, because so. obviously you described it as. Um, maybe if things have slipped a little bit mm. at this point. Um, so where did it? What happened next? So I'm guessing I'm
1: th- probably three.
0: Or f- I'm probably three
1: years into my into DJing. Okay. Um, S- still around Leicester. Still around Leicester. I Had a residency in Leicester. I, uh, I was working a little bit in Ibiza and did some stuff around. Okay. And I was doing again doing relatively well, if you're going to call it that, in terms of a, from a things were things were certainly moving in that direction, but things were definitely going off. Yeah. You know, um. Yeah. Things things were not going well for me personally. Whilst mm. things looked good on the surface, they weren't going well beneath the surface at all. Around mm. um, right about this time, um. Yeah, there was a lot of drugs starting to creep into what I was doing. Mm. Um, a lot of a lot of a lot of alcohol and yeah and and again a lot of bad decisions and stuff just not going well. Mm. you know? So, um. So yeah, it started to get really, really dark. And then I'm um. There's a few things. There, there are a few things that happened. <laughs> just make sure I have PCs in the right order yeah. it's a funny thing that God kept me plugged in so just um, to, 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 to touch on this quickly but yeah. even throughout the time I was DJing I've been asked by the local church to come and play the church organ for them really so there I am on a Sunday morning often turning up having I had no sleep <laughs> having worked the night before sometimes still in a bad state yeah. playing morning is broken on the church <laughs> organ to six pensioners and and wondering what on earth I'm doing, but <laughs> but feeling totally certain that I had to be there. and was there week in, week out, wow. and it's almost like this. Th- there was still this kind of draw to the church that I, even though it was a C of E church in the middle of nowhere, and I was terribly hungover most of the time, mm. and really, you know, shouldn't shouldn't really have been there legally, and <laughs> I, and yet, yeah, I was. I uh, but God. Is, almost kept me going in that yeah, yeah. kept some sort of connection you know to to, to, a, to a church to a functioning church body and I remember thinking well why, why am I doing this but I still yeah. did it um, wow so that was something which did was always been that mm. that kind of I'd never I'd never stopped believing I just I just I just didn't want to know I was still looking for that ultimate front and it was getting worse and worse looking for the ultimate high yeah anyway it gets to a um, it gets to a Saturday night and I'm working in a, in a club that I used to be resident at and I get chatting to some girl on the on the on the on the of the dance floor and it transpires over the conversation that she's a Christian and my first reaction was what what on earth are you doing yeah. in this club What you this is a horrible dingy techno club in the middle of Leicester and it's 2 a.m. and you really—I don't think I don't think many Christians went to be here. You really shouldn't be here. What are you, what are you doing here? And she said, "Well, I believe God invented music. I'm just here to dance and enjoy myself, and I'm just here to you know just uh, I'm just here to dance and just do you know." And, and she started to share a little bit about what about what she did in in Ibiza that summer. How she walked on the streets. And I'm just open mouthed, like, "Yeah, oh, you, this is this is bizarre." Um, and and I, and I got called away at that point, and that was that. But next morning i was like what was she doing there why was there a christian in this in that club Mm. um and although at the time i probably didn't have the language for this but i I, I look back now and i realize that you know even at the darkest point because that point at that point things were really really rough at the darkest point um when i was in the darkest place if you like god had not stopped pursuing me even there there mm. was still someone there who was willing to share their faith he was still reaching out to me mm. even at that point when i walked away and squandered so much a real you know prodigal son moment and i realized that that, that, he, that he was still there yeah still reaching out for me still in that in that place where he where i really didn't think he would be yeah um wow. and i kept bumping into this girl i started because she i'm and making a fool of myself every time because I, I, I wanted to talk to her and find out I wanted what she had, but did, I couldn't explain it. I couldn't, I couldn't articulate it. Yeah. So I just kept, yeah, bumping into her and making it an idiot of myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, that was. I think at that point, that's when things started to shift a little bit. Okay. not to me. Yeah, and, and that was a very painful, slow process where things started to move back towards him.
0: Yeah. So did you? Um. What happened from that point to? like how soon after that did you start going to church for Mm. example or I I presume you weren't going to church at that point um what yeah sort of what was the next change for you at that after that those encounters with that girl so it must have been about a year after
1: I'd I'd seen her um and things hadn't got any better it's worth saying things hadn't got any better Mm. um and it was probably yeah six months to a year I'm guessing um, and I have a dream one night, and in my dream, it's a very, very frightening dream, and in my dream, there's a, there, there's a man in the hallway, um, and I'm in the room, and he's just, and I'm suddenly very aware that I don't want this guy in the room with me, and, um, and he, but he's coming in, and I'm trying to shut the door, and I can't, mm-hmm. and... I'm um, screaming out for someone to come and help me. And I can't, it wasn't, it didn't sound scary, but it, it was really, really intense. And I woke up and this dream was happening around me. I was still in this sort of, and it was a really, very spiritually heavy dream. And I woke up and God said to me very, very clearly, he said, um, he said, Luke, there are doors open in your life, which you can't shut. Mm. And when you find out what's in the hallway, you're gonna really want to. Mm. And it wasn't a threat. It was just a, this is what, this is where your lifestyle is going and this isn't good. Mm. And I was so convicted. I spent so I spent two weeks um, after that dream, I spent two weeks every night coming to God and saying sorry. Wow. And I was so so caught up but because I was doing it in my own strength, I still hadn't made any commitments or anything. I was just mm. I was just repenting for stuff that happened to the other day, but then the next day was all going wrong again. I'd still mm. drinking, smoking, taking drugs and mm. and still trying to sort my life out but it wasn't happening it was just two weeks of miserable repentance of, and nothing mm. changing um, and then but I was, at least I was you least know, I, I was making some sort of steps back to him I guess it was happening yeah. in that way um, but then a weekend came and the weekend was just this horrendous moment over the weekend and I was pushed back to square one all over again and mm. it was just it was just this perpetually destructive lifestyle that I couldn't break um, and then I got a phone call from my mum on the Sunday night and she says, "Don't forget tomorrow that it's Kevin's funeral." So Kevin, some um, so some 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 of so, you so, 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 so obviously, obviously, obviously um, will know, we're we on with Kevin Cowley. Mm. He was a member of the church of the Living Rock, and he had passed away. Mm. And he'd been a really good friend of mine in my teenage years. He was someone who we were playing the worship band with. Okay, and back in okay, so you, wow. yeah, so it was all coming full circle. Yeah, and we'd lost touch because I'd lost touch really, with him really but he'd been a really important figure to me and um, he'd passed away mm. and so I got a phone call from mum saying it's his funeral tomorrow, don't forget and I had forgotten, I mean, this was the state I was in Jimmy and I had I'd forgotten mm. so I, I resolved to get something right so I dragged myself to Kevin's funeral on the Monday, and which is at Living Rock Church and I walked into the room and I just remember being absolutely amazed at this funeral people were worshipping, people were rejoicing, they were happy, there was joy in the room, there was a sense of dignity and peace and, and this overwhelming love and hope people had. And I just sat there and it's was like, this is, this is a funeral, I mean, mm. this is incredible. And it, whilst it was wonderfully sensitive and sad, and, and, but it was so full of hope and everything I didn't have and god just said to me like i just want you to come home it was really clear just i want you to come home and um i drove away from that funeral just in just in floods of tears absolutely broken i was was just so cut up about everything that i'd I'd let myself become i went over to see my mum it was her birthday and so she's probably been praying for years seeing Mm -hmm. what i've been going through um because it's, it's an awful thing when you're lying to parents and you're pretending and they are they're unsure sure they know. And it's a horrible place to be when your life is, you're so guilty. <laughs> you feel so guilty. Mm. And so um, it was pretty tough. Mum was waiting and I got over to Mum's house and I said, look, I'm thinking of going back to church. And she was, she hid it pretty well, but she was pretty chuffed. <laughs> and I went upstairs to my old bedroom because I moved out by that point. So I went upstairs to my old bedroom and I, Grabbed a copy of the Bible that i knew was up there, and I just brought it down. And mum, my mum said, "You know, what's the, what's this you've got?" I said, "Oh, it's the, said the Bible. I think I'm going to be needing it." And she was like, "Oh," she said, "You know, just dead pan anything." She was like, "Of course," she said, "because um, that's 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 the Bible that Kevin gave gave you, wasn't it?" And oh. I opened it, and it said, "To Luke on your 18th birthday, may you find joy, hope, and peace in and these words, of our Lord." Wow. And I was just man down. Yeah. I've completely forgotten. He I'd, I'd, bought it for me for my 18th, the same year I decided not to follow God. Mm. And I'd late, I would left it in my bedroom and gone, gone to university. And seven years later, and there it is. And I just got in the car and I drove home and I just cried and cried and cried all the way home. And I got back to my flat, where we are, where we are now. And mm. at the time my, my housemate was living here, and he was waiting for me, and he got the kettle on because I've been to a funeral. So, uh, but I came, Nothing prepared him for the mess that came through the door. <laughs> I was just bawling my eyes out, and I just went straight to my bedroom. And um, yeah, I just gave my life to Jesus that night. Wow. And it was, I just to my knees, and I just, I just wept. I just cried. And I just hours. I just got. I, it must have been two or three hours. I just got all this, just confessed everything, got everything out everything that I was ashamed of, all the stuff I was guilty of, all the stuff I felt dirty about, mm. all the things that I'd messed up, terrible decisions I'd made, put it all out and decided I want you in my life. I can't do this without you anymore. Mm. And yeah. Wow. And then it, at that point, everything changed.
0: Okay, I'm just going to cut in at this point and, and bring part one to a close. Um, Luke and I, when we sat down and recorded this, we, we actually spoke for a, a bit longer than than I expected because as you've heard it it was just so good and I had a lot more questions for him um I didn't want him to stop really so um it was a little bit longer than I thought it would be but because of that it'll be a part one and a part two um but wow how good was that how good is this story I, I told you it was good um like I said it's so honest so emotional um yeah so I hope you hope you enjoyed that first part coming up hear from Luke on what changed in his life. Um,
1: I remember being about three weeks into it and having a sudden rem- memory that I used to take drugs <laughs> and the thought was like, well, it was this strange understanding of, did I really do that?
0: And Luke's also going to talk about some of the, uh, the really exciting projects that he's involved with at the moment. Um, particularly, we, we talk about the things that Luke's doing in Ibiza. Um, and the way that he's reaching out there to DJs and um, he's involved in some really awesome projects out there
1: being a christian and stepping into christian and, and, and stepping into, into god's plan is the most fun i've ever had mm. it is the most wonderful wonderful um, joy and it just it's just it's just such an incredible adventure at times it's not always comfortable but it's an amazing adventure and and sense is one of is, is an example of some of, of what of, of of this adventure that God takes us on, we're mm. willing to go.
0: So, if you like the sound of that and you're enjoying our first episode of Sofa Sessions, then check out part two.